0: this is do we like movies it's a podcast where two guys review individual movies sequels and occasional television shows in this show we talk about our experiences with them and we answer the question do we like this movie Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel.
1: And I'm your southern writer, host, Javier.
0: And, uh, all right, so first I need to apologize for the fact that this episode has been delayed for as long as it's been delayed. It's really my fault, guys. I've been going, I just, scheduling conflicts. It's been very difficult to get through and record this episode, but here we are. We are finally here. We are talking the 2012 movie Sinister, because if you can remember weeks and weeks ago the last episode of this show that we recorded was us talking about the black phone. And uh, funny enough, the guy who was supposed to direct that movie was a director by the name of Scott Derrickson, who before he ended up making the black phone was actually supposed to uh, direct the movie we watched the week before. And that was uh, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So we are like, we, we are in an ever never ending loop of Scott Derrickson projects now. <laughs> which I know. Is it's something like, that no podcast should ever say.
1: It's like six degrees of Scott Derrickson. <laughs> and we accidentally have turned it into like a weeks long project.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I think most of the reason why we decided to kind of watch this was when we were talking about the black phone, I think I'd mentioned that I was really interested in watching Sinister because I'd never seen it. And it was a movie that, Got a lot of positive buzz that people were talking about, like at the time it came out. But really, the main reason why I probably didn't watch this movie when it came out in 2012 is I was kind of out of horror at this time. Like, I feel like after I watched, like, you know, Ty West's uh, House of the Devil, I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. I think I might have watched one or two horror movies in 2010, but like, I even I was listening to horror podcasts at this time too, but I, I feel like by the time I hit 2012, between 2012 and maybe 2016 I really kind of fell off on horror and really the only thing I was watching was like paranormal activity sequels for a while like once a year I would watch a horror movie and then I was kind of getting into other stuff paranormal activity 3 that was the one that was cinema to angel well paranormal activity 3 I think was the paranormal activity movie that came out either this year or the year before so
1: not, not totally, too far off. <laughs> not totally far off. Um, so that means, because this is 2012, that means you missed Cabin in the Woods, the Evil Dead remake. Yep, yep. Some, Cabin
0: in the Woods was a movie that like, people I worked with were talking about, and I hadn't gotten a chance to see it. Um, I mean,
1: in retrospect, it's a Joss Whedon movie, so <laughs> you watch one <laughs> Joss Whedon movie, you've seen all the Joss Whedon movies. So, you know, I guess you didn't really miss out. I mean, it's a fun horror movie, but I mean, it's not really horror. Um, was this around the time that uh, The Conjuring came out?
0: Yeah, because The Conjuring would have came out in 2011 or 20, no, 2013. So we're one year before Conjuring. Mm-hmm. And, so, but we are one year after Insidious. And I feel like Insidious yeah. was the first. And the funny thing is Insidious was a movie I didn't even watch when it came out either. Like, I think the first time I watched that movie was, like, 2014 when I had moved out of my parents' house and you and I would, like, just hang out literally all the time in my bachelor pad.
1: (laughs) Also known as the golden age of Angel and Javi's adventures. Yeah. Where we would literally do nothing but watch shitty movies. Literally nothing. It was just, it, it is, this movie
0: is, despite the fact that, like, we hadn't watched it, or at least I hadn't watched it other than just like a few weeks ago for this podcast. This movie is now taking me to a time in my life when I had so much less responsibilities Bro, and so much did. more disposable
1: income. All we did was eat like trash pandas and watch horror movies. Like it was awesome. Time.
0: I think Man. one day, like, we literally just like drank 40s and watched wrestling. Oh.
1: <laughs> 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 there's a certain welcome energy. to our sinister episode guys <laughs> there's a certain energy that's been captured by the phrase for drink 40s and watch wrestling <laughs> like it just has strong mullet and el camino energy
0: <laughs> oh man
1: Alright, so this movie,
0: this movie is talking about Sinister, 2012 horror movie starring Ethan Hawke, directed by Scott Derrickson, and I think out of the two of us, you were the only one who really saw it before we did it for this episode, so my not first even. question would be, Javi, uh, what's your experience with this movie, the first time you watched it?
1: I think you're thinking of Insidious, because I did not watch Sinister before this movie, Oh, or before okay. this episode. Well, there I, we go then, this I kept a new confi- one for both of us. I kept confusing
0: Sinister with Insidious. Well, single word title horror movies, I guess
1: that makes sense. I think it's all the eyes, and one of them had James Wan, and the other one looked like it had something that may have been a James Wan movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, it, wait, yeah, Insidious did was a James Wan movie, right? It was, yeah. Okay, I'm glad I didn't make that up, because as i'm known to make up things like when i made up the entire scream five episode you and i didn't record (laughs) (laughs) oh god but yeah like this is actually my first experience with the movie i did i did want to watch it i was interested and you know ethan hawk isn't like this big marquee actor that was gonna be putting butts in seats but he was making a lot of odd movies around this time because this is around the same time he did like daybreakers which was that shitty vampire movie which i don't know if you ever watched
0: no Um, i haven't
1: that's what that was another
0: one of those movies that came out around this time that people i worked with talked about but that i just never went to watch
1: yeah so it was one like bullet just-
0: i averted at this time when i was avoiding horror movies was actually alien versus predator requiem i had a bunch of co-workers that were like wanting to go out one night to watch that movie and i like was just like yeah yeah we should completely blew it off and uh i guess i dodged a bullet because later i watched that movie on tv and holy mother of fuck is it awful
1: <laughs> you shut your goddamn mouth that was <laughs> great you're telling me you don't like predalians? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah like i remember this movie was coming around around that coming out around that time that horror was like yeah i guess you could say stagnating like you were either watching art house fucking Ty west mumblecore movies or you were watching paranormal activity 69 or some shit, <laughs> you know? like you were either watching stuff that our resident jump scare peddler james wan was putting out or like there 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 wasn't really much slow burn horror and i remember people being like this movie's terrifying this is like the most terrifying movie i've ever seen i'm like i'll Mm -hmm. get around to it eventually and i don't know why it never came like it just never came up i had it on my queue it was on netflix for a while that's how i caught it this time uh, but yeah, I had, I was going into this movie completely with fresh eyes.
0: All right. So, uh, so this a, we talked about it already, but it stars Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke is a uh, true crime writer named Ellison Oswalt. And uh, the movie's about him moving into this home uh, in a town in Pennsylvania called Chatford. And he moves in with his family, and I guess he's a writer. And what he's basically doing is he's trying to write his next great novel, because one of the, I guess, his most famous work that he had ever done was a true crime novel called uh, Kentucky Blood. Which well, is about I say,
1: a, I say, there's a murder afoot.
0: It, yeah, it. I guess it's like some sort of like southern, you know, uh, true true crime story you know, that he ended up writing a book about. And to, I guess his his brilliant idea was that for him to be able to find inspiration to drive, to, to write his next book, he moves into a murder house <laughs> where an entire family, I guess, was uh, murdered by hanging and decides not to tell anyone his family about.
1: And it's If my partner was like, Javi, I am a true crime writer, and the only way that I can get inspiration to write is if we uproot our lives and go to this murder house, I'm going to be like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) I'm
0: jealous of people that have the ability to get up and move anywhere at all. (laughs) For real. It is pretty risky to move into a famous murder home with your family.
1: At least if you're going to pick a murder home, pick like a cool murder home, like the Winchester (laughs) house. Like, how do we buy that house? I would never fucking do that. Are you kidding? The only only horror there is the fact that I'm too fat to go up like half those stairs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) the other thing with the Winchester house is it actually like, because it's located in the South Bay, like in Silicon Valley, it's probably worth like $5 million I'll if give you, you would demolish Just the land it's built on probably is worth 5000000 million. do. million. Di- I'll give you
1: two McFish sandwiches. <laughs> what the fuck is a McFish? Isn't that what their their fish sandwich is called? McFish? You mean Filet-O-Fish? That's stupid. They call them the McFish. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the plot of the movie is really
0: about Ellison finding like he find the box in the attic that has a bunch of Super 8 footage. Um, when he first discovers this box, he actually finds a scorpion in it. And for I can't tell you why. Anytime I see a scorpion in a movie, especially a scorpion in a box, which is absolutely random. And I have no idea why he didn't think of it as being something like completely out of the ordinary. Like, because obviously, like, I don't know what the climate for a scorpion is, but I'll tell you this. My parents have their uh, home in El Salvador, and they're, like, home in El Salvador when, you know, they've gone months and months and months without going to see it. Like, if it's dirty and it's been left unkempt for a very long time, it's prone to get, like, scorpions, like, scattered around. Like, Screw
1: that, dude! Just torch the house and buy a new <laughs> that's what i say i think my mom like literally got bit by one once <laughs> but, dude like they... i don't know much about scorpions either i'm not some scorpionologist over here but <laughs> something tells me pennsylvania is not the actual like aren't they desert like hot like hot humid and or desert animals like probably the... yeah
0: probably because yeah definitely my parents uh vacation home is like like it is in high
1: humidity area dude like how is it as soon as you get like once you see that's like seeing scarabs i would be like i'm calling a priest and i'm burning the house down. <laughs> <laughs> which but the other thing that we forgot to talk about was uh the the sheriff like the remember the warm welcome he gets from the sheriff oh yes like i i thought that was interesting that the sheriff was like hey i really liked your book kentucky blood i hated the follow-up book where you made all the oh you mean all the, the police deputy. officers the, look like the sheriff dildos.
0: yeah well no the sheriff is very negative on him for making the book it is the deputy mm-hmm. played by james ransome who uh who's more who's basically the fanboy and funny oh, enough, deputy Ransone, like James Ransone is the only character in this movie that returns for the apparently poorly received Sinister 2. And uh, we did actually see him in The Black Phone. He plays uh, Ethan Hawke's character. Well, I don't want to make a spoiler for people who haven't watched The Black Phone and decided to jump straight this. But he plays uh, a significant uh, character's sibling in The Black Phone. So I guess, yeah. I yeah. guess James Ransone is some sort of like Scott Derrickson recurring actor. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's Maybe like if Scott he would have directed uh, Multiverse of Madness, maybe we would have gotten a James Ransone ca- uh, cameo instead of uh, Bruce Campbell. You shut your goddamn mouth. Did you ever <laughs> say that?
1: Did you ever <laughs> wish that black magic into the universe? <laughs> yeah, he's like... He's like... I guess Scott Derrickson's Danny Trejo, the way Danny Trejo's in every Robert Rodriguez movie. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: All right, so in this box, I mean, like, in the Super 8 videos that he's watching, it's basically, like, so I guess they're home movies. It starts off with, like, kind of, like, these, like, cute, funny, like, family home movies and then all of a sudden, like it, you get some sort of like cut to all of a sudden, like you're watching people drown, you're watching people get murdered, and it's like it devolves. Like it's one of those things where it's like you ever have like this like fear of like watching like like you are in you're watching something and it seems normal and everything's fine. Like it's this fear that I have that's completely irrational and makes zero sense. But imagine being in like a crowded room. And everyone is, like, talking normally and going on about their business. Imagine that, like, all of a sudden in this crowded place that you're in, it gets completely quiet. And then everyone in the room turns around to face you. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the eerie feeling I get from uh, watching, uh, watching uh, Oswald watch these horror, these, like, Home movies. It's this thing that starts off so normal and then like devolves quickly into something that's so abnormal and frightening.
1: And it's how jarring the cut is too, because it's like you get everyday shots of the family just bonding and just playing games. And then all of a sudden, one of the little fucking murder children is shoving all the, like, all the families connected to cinder blocks into a pool. And it's just like, what? on it's one of those things where you like you wonder if it skipped some scenes or, you know like you missed something because you were too busy playing with your hot pocket or something i don't know but it's one of those weird things where it it does play on this how how quickly things can change um and i think like the weirdness is also reflected in some of the some of the like because because the, they're supposed to be like home movies right but then it turns out that all these home movies he finds are actually like snuff films. And uh like I like I know the pool one is called Pool Party 66 and then there's another one that's like The Barbecue Fourth of July. Um there's one that's like Family Hangout and that's the that's the house they're at right now. I think it's Family Hangout. I got to I got to double check but I know the house they're at now is like the one you mentioned where there was like this mass hanging where everyone, but one of the kids like ended up uh, being hung from the tree in front of the house. And it's just like, there's just this eerie quality and I don't know if it's the combination of the music, the weird, like cut, like the weird getups the family's wearing because it's usually a period piece or just like the, eight millimeter film period like i don't know there's something really unsettling of of how you have to listen to the to the actual real the way um what's his name allison edison Ellison. yeah i just
0: Oswald is his last name so that's the only reason why i've defaulted to calling him oswald
1: <laughs> oswald cobblepot <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like Like you, because you, it really. This movie, whenever it's showing you the Super Eight scenes that, uh, the footage that Allison has to watch, it does a really good job putting you in that headspace of being like, "What the fuck am I watching?" And it's just Mm -hmm. so eerie and get. I hated it. And then, yeah, you find out each murder is performed by someone off camera. um and and that's the that's the person that I think Ellison at this point kind of assumes gets kidnapped, right? Like they they mm-hmm. think one of the kids gets kidnapped by the by the murderer.
0: Right. So every so all the like you know along with the what he writes in Kentucky Blood, like watching these videos, like his his logical thought is that these are serial killings. What you're watching is a serial killer that comes in, kills entire families, and kidnaps one member of the family. So that's kind of like, you know, as the movie goes on, and as like he he notices that like there's stuff happening in it, with his family as well in the house, particularly with his daughter.
1: Mm-hmm. Also his son, his 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 13 year old son. That's true. Though. Yeah. Yeah, or not his 13 year old son. I forgot how old the, the kid is. I think he's like Ten or some shit but point is he he's the one that starts getting like the night terrors when they move into the new house and his night terrors are terrifying
0: <laughs> oh man and you know god it's like i'm so glad that i am not a person that experiences any kind of like night terrors because i it looks like the most miserable thing i could possibly have <laughs> like i enjoy you my know. sleep way too much to to have like shitty things happen in my sleep
1: like, again, we don't want to speak ill, we don't want to make anyone feel bad for if they do suffer from night terrors, or if they do experience anything like sleepwalking. All I know is that right now is someone who's never experienced it, or someone that's never um, had to deal with, like, someone that gets night terrors that the like the way the kid just like contorts and freaks out and like like there's that one scene where he comes out of the box like the world's worst jack-in-the-box yes i would have punched him right in the face like this movie has pretty
0: good jump scares and i think that i mean and they're not obvious jump scares but but there's some stuff in this movie that was really creepy and that's what i had heard before i watched it mm-hmm. is that this was a movie that 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 was was a lot scarier than than people like hyped it up even when it came out
1: yeah and i give you give it credit for that for being able to maintain an eerie tone and not being like the jump scares are good but it's more like you psych yourself out more than Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything. but yeah that jack-in-the-box scene where the kid just come comes out of the box i'm like how did ethan hawk not punch him right in the face (laughs) like (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, I don't care if you're my son You come out of a box like that (laughs) You're catching a two-piece (laughs) combo Oh, God Um So, yeah, after that So Uh, Ellison starts noticing Like, mysterious symbols Uh, and he starts noticing Like, kind of a figure that's Usually in the background of the films And Um As he starts, you know, as the, um, like he starts getting uh, more and more into the details of these cases, he starts finding out more connections between them, um, specifically like mentioned the mysterious symbols, um, It becomes like a
0: growing obsession for him. Like at one point, it's almost like it's kind of of like the shining in some ways where it's like at first you're like, oh, yeah, we're here, here to get rid of the writer's block. See if I can find some inspiration to finish my book. And instead, it's just like a lot of it devolves into him, like turning into a junior detective, like trying to investigate some of the murders that he's watching in these videos. And he becomes increasingly obsessed with what he's seeing in the videos and almost less interested in some ways to writing the book that he came there to write.
1: <laughs> well, like, I, lo- I, I always love a good, like a good freak out, man. I love when people start get, get, becoming too obsessed with cases and start living too deep. <laughs> it, I know this means nothing to you, but it just reminds me of it's always sunny in Philadelphia where one of the characters becomes obsessed because he misreads, um, When they get jobs in an office, he, like, misreads uh, Pennsylvania as Pepe Sylvia. (laughs) So he spends the next, like, the rest of the episode trying to find out who Pepe Sylvia is. (laughs) And then he's like, that's because there, he goes, that's because there is no Pepe Sylvia. And he's like, you're right, there is no Pepe Sylvia. Plus, everyone has been complaining about how they haven't gotten their mail in the last (laughs) week. he's like what have you been doing with their mail? he goes oh I've just been setting it on fire fuck it <laughs> oh, I love that show anyway back to this horrible
0: <laughs> I like it we're talking about it like it's a really terrible movie and it actually wasn't like um, well, I'm, the, the I'm, creepy there's the other creepy part which again like being someone who has a small child it's very creepy when small kids start to get affected by stuff in horror movies uh, especially the young daughter who is like beginning to make those like horrifying drawings and all of them include some sort of uh, evil presence in it which you could easily look at like uh, you know it's demonic Uh, she calls it Mr. Boogie and uh, yeah somehow Mr. Boogie is like it's I mean Ellison hasn't put it together yet but Mr. Boogie is somehow completely like it, it's it's starting to connect these two things like the drawings and the stuff that they're that the family is starting to experience is connecting to the videos that he's watching in the attic Thank
1: by the King. fact
0: that by the fact that ellison keeps seeing like that demonic presence in it and it's it in some ways it in like many of the earlier scenes where you see it like it's a lot more like blink and you miss it kind of deal mm-hmm. and it's so and i like that part of it because it's one of those things where it's like if you're not paying close attention to it you might not even think that that's that, that it's anything to really pay attention to
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> hey kids yeah when the kid
0: the yet when you see the kid drawings that's when you know that it's something that's going to uh play into the movie and it's almost creepier because then you're like okay well now this is what the demon's gonna be
1: i absolutely hate when kids start drawing period <laughs> like, honestly if you're a parent don't let your kid draw unless you're ready for whatever eldritch horror they create <laughs> to be unleashed in your lives <laughs> and then uh i think during that part is when when sellison starts talking to his daughter and finds out about mr boogie um that's when he encounters a snake um he encounters he finds like the snake um and more, more like drawings about the murders that i think his uh his daughter was putting together and then later that night that's when he encounters like this dog like this this rottweiler in his backyard that'd been like barking just the, the entire night and it almost attacks him but it meant, but then it just kind of disappears during another jump scare moment and for the most part like these scenes are really effective in freaking you out and making you like feel terrified and possibly like you know wet yourself (laughs) but what (laughs) i what the one thing i hate and it's one my one gripe with this movie my one big gripe with this movie is just the fucking lighting it's so dark like i remember texting you i'm like this movie's dark and i'm like not in content matter but like literally I can't no see shit. I,
0: I agree i was watching it in like my dark bedroom like because i obviously like i cannot watch horror movies around my family because no one in my house like wants to watch the shit i'm watching like when it's horror movies so i'm sitting there watching it in my dark room with my blackout curtains and you would think that that makes it easier to see some of the stuff that's happening in here and no it is actually pretty damn dark
1: your wife just relegates you to the horror hole go to your horror hole and you go watch that garbage
0: you know funny enough it used to be like it used to be when I was using my daughter's room as my office slash our podcast studio it was uh, that that was the horror hole where I would just have to go and watch horror movies before
1: (laughs) yeah nothing's more terrifying than having like Coco Melon right next to Michael Myers Oh, dude. But yeah, like I just want to reiterate, going back to what Angel was saying. Once your kids start drawing, nah, fuck that shit, dude. Just throw that away. <laughs> don't look at your kids' drawings. Acknowledge they exist, and then throw them away because you don't. You know what? You're one day you're gonna see Mr. Boogie in it, and it's just not worth it, fam. Uh, but after yeah, after the experience with the animals, uh, Ellison starts talking to uh, the local deputy. Um, what was his what was his actor's name again? Uh, J- Ransom.
0: Yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, I I based on the spelling of his name, I think that's how you
1: pronounce it. And I mean, but I've the, seen I, him in
0: other stuff too, so it's like he seems like he's a guy who who's who's an actor that gets around on different projects.
1: He was in It Chapter Two. He played one of the losers.
0: Ooh, thank you, thank you. I think he's Adult Eddie. He's he's Adult Eddie.
1: Yeah. And he, um, but I know in this one they call him Deputy So and So, and that's a joke because Ethan Hawke, um, called him, or because you know he talked about how in one of the books he, you know, he wanted to be that deputy that helps him out, and he's like, you know, how, how in the beginning you always write thanks to Deputy So and So, he goes, I want to be Deputy So and So. And so that was, like, that's how he gets credited at the end of this movie, actually. <laughs> which nice. I thought was pretty yeah, funny.
0: because Ellison basically spends the entire movie referring to him as deputy so-and-so, which is really scummy when you think about it. Although,
1: Ellison's kind of a dick, dude. Like,
0: yeah, he's kind of a super dick. He
1: he moves his family into a murder-hole house and is just, like, is, like, hey, a bunch of, like, a fan... There was, like, a, a family... Crap, what's it called? Um... Oh, there's like a, a family there was like a family annihilation here and i'm excuse, not going to tell you guys about it excuse me a family annihilation <laughs> yes that's a thing it's like <laughs> it's like a, a code it's not a code but it's like a type of murders where where like the families Lord. get killed
0: god that sounds so brutal
1: (laughs) (laughs) annihilating an entire family (laughs) i mean it sounds like a really shitty villain from a 50s like pulp comic (laughs) i'm the family annihilator i have come to kill your christian values (laughs) but um (laughs) but yeah it was like he's just like hey we're gonna move into this murder house i'm not gonna tell you guys also we can't move back because no one's bought our old house so we're just a shit ton of money in debt and now on top of that there's only one guy that actually likes him and he doesn't even bother to remember the guy's name (laughs) but yeah this guy ends up helping him and he's able to kind of track down um where all the murders took place, the different cities uh across the country. And he pretty much creates a timeline for Ellison dating back all the way to the from the first the the pool party murder in 1966. Mm-hmm. Um and he's kind of able to connect the dots for Ellison about um where all, where each family where each murder took place um and where everyone moved and like how they're how they're all connected and whatnot. Um, he also gets uh, ref- he also gets referred out to a occult specialist named Professor Jonas, played by you know the always awesome Vincent D'Onofrio, who I just assumed was going to solve it. Like, have you tried throwing velociraptors at
0: it? Hey, you know what? Something that that also just like is dated very well is that this is early like Zoom call, early FaceTime technology and it's one of those things where it's like it's so commonplace and like just something that we all do now that I don't you don't think about it like now but watching the movie thinking about it in context of 2012 I'm like oh my god like it's it's hard to I mean it's easy to forget that like some of this technology was like still just in its infancy like Ten years ago, in 2012,
1: <laughs> just Vinny D'Onofrio is like, "Hey, Ethan, guess where I'm calling you from? My computer." <laughs> and they just have a really old man conversation over this. Uh, but yeah, that that tripped me up. I don't know why the fact that they were, but um, they were doing video calls and video calls so readily too. I was like, "Oh crap, that's right. Zoom and Skype were totally things in 2012." <laughs> Well, mostly Skype, right?
0: Yeah, Skype was like the OG like communication software.
1: That's the one that walked so the rest could run. I think that's how that goes.
0: Well, you know what? Skype is actually what you and I were using to record podcast episodes before Zoom blew up in 2020, so yeah, oh, no. it, it, it ruled everything for a long time.
1: Man, no wonder those original ones kind of sucked. <laughs> Screw you, Skype! That's right! <laughs> Let's start let's start the telecommunication wars. <laughs> let's see. Um yeah, so after uh, after he talks to Professor Jonas, he pretty much um you know, they 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 talk about how some of the symbolism found in some of these sites are connected to a pagan god by the name of Bagul. Um and essentially, he's an it's right here. <laughs> he, he's a he's a family annihilator. <laughs> he would go on and like kill entire families and consume the children slowly, so that way that was kind of like how people paid, uh, you know, they, were, they paid praise or worship to him. Mm-hmm. So, the idea was, or, or the idea that starts getting formulated at least by Vincent D'Onofrio and kind of Allison until it's too late. Is that Bagul is real, and he's using uh, the children in these uh, in these families to um, to pretty much keep himself alive. I'm assuming,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that although at first uh, Jonas doesn't believe, or Vincent D'Onofrio. Sorry, I might as well just stay committed to the fact that I'm going to ta- refer to him by his actor name. <laughs> But he doesn't believe it's an actual occult thing. He thinks it's like a weird cultish initiation right, and that his family's been targeted. So he doesn't how very think- exorcist of him.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like it's a thing that some of these movies where they don't want to go full supernatural is you know like that's the, that was what the police officer thought in the exorcist was that there was some sort of strong occultist that was killing uh, the director and instead it you know surprise it's a demon
1: that wasn't just uh that wasn't just a theory that was also the plot to the exorcist three <laughs> that's <laughs> true <laughs> wow now that i think about it they actually did kind of foreshadow that plot
0: there's like actually like an entire subgenre of like serial killer is actually demon apparently
1: yeah pretty much i mean there's this there's fallen there's actually <laughs> three those are three right off the top uh let's see so um, as, uh, the nights continue, uh, or One Night Ellison hears, like, the, the, the projector running, um, and he has this vision of, um, he has this vision of all the children that were missing from the different murders, um, uh, like, up in his attic, I believe, and they're, like, just watching, uh, the Super 8 film and when ellison goes up into the attic with them bagul appears in front of them first on the camera and then like scaring the shit out of you that's the biggest
0: jump scare of the movie it's the one part that scared me the most yeah
1: so he um so he jumps in front a one jump scare and ellison ends up shitting his pants and grabs like the he ends up grabbing the projector the camera And all the movies, and he just goes outside and starts burning them. At this point, he's just had enough. Um, and when his wife asks him what's what's going on, he just yells at her to start packing their shit. It's time for them to leave. Um, and you know, within maybe a couple hours, they're they're on the road, they're headed out. Uh Ellison is speeding through the through the highway. He gets pulled over by the sheriff. Uh, and the sheriff asks him, "What's he, you know, what's he doing out in this late at night?" And Allison responds, uh, saying that he's taking his advice, um, looking visibly shaken by by what's going, what's been happening. Um, the sheriff just kind of tells him to keep it, keep it slow, and that uh, you know he hopes he doesn't see him come back. Essentially. <laughs> Um, so after that they, they go back, they end up moving back to their old house. Uh at their old house, Ellison gets um gets some images uh sent to him by Vincent D'Onofrio um about Bagul, uh including like a little more of the symbols and the three symbolic animals that Bagul are connected with. Um and Animal. These animals are all something Ellison encountered at the previous house, which includes a, a dog, a scorpion, and a snake. So, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, this is kind of more of a lore dump. Vincent D'Onofrio says that early Christians uh, believed that pictures or any depictions of the ghoul acted as doorways for him to be able to come out into, like, the, the material world. Um and that's how the demon is able to kind of like jump between the spirit world and the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that while he's in the real world, the can possess children uh, who come in contact with these images. And of course, dum, dum, who drew a picture of the earlier in the movie? Allison's daughter. Exactly. And that's why... You don't when your kids just want to draw something, you tell them not in this house. <laughs> Isn't you know, it funny
0: how like all of these movies like tend to come from something that like I feel like it's all like Baba Duke, like w- or Willy Wonka? Like I, I feel like so many of these directors and writers, like between this and then Baba Duke, like they all had like these like childhood nightmares of Gene Wilder in his Willy Wonka outfit, apparently, because that's the kind of like demons and and demonic like, entities that they've been putting into these movies.
1: Funny enough, if I remember correctly, um, one of the original ideas for Bagul was supposed to be a, an evil Willy Wonka type of character.
0: Which is funny because Scott Derrickson will eventually do that as like the villain in Black Phone.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so... Um yeah, that ended up not really going through and then they want they felt it looked too silly for what they wanted.
0: Picture multiverse of badness where like Wanda looks like the babadook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like that sounds terrible. She just <laughs> turns into a giant cockroach
0: <laughs> instead of like all the characters like looking like deadites at the end.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, that's the world I wanted (laughs) Not the super cool dead-eyed Doctor Strange. I wanted Cockroach Wanda. (laughs) So after... um, Yeah, so after coming to that realization... um, Yeah, after coming to that uh, realization, the deputy ends up calling... um, Oh no! Ellison finds the projector. I'm sorry. He he doesn't he doesn't get a call from the deputy yet. He ends up finding the projector, along with uh, with more film called uh, extended cuts, and or like the, yeah, the extended cut endings, where it goes like into more, like gruesome details of what happened to these families uh that's when the deputy calls ellison and tells him that every murdered family had once lived in the house of the previous murder and that's where he got a little confused like that's how it worked right like one family lived in a house where the previous murder happened and then they moved and they didn't get killed until they moved from the old house right
0: Right. They didn't get moved, they didn't they didn't get killed until they moved to the new house and the new house is where the next family would move into and the next then the next family would move into another house and then that becomes the new house.
1: Mm-hmm. So it just leaves this string of murder houses all through America, which I mean, right. when Which is, is funny because one of
0: them is like Sacramento, California, which like is the closest one to where we live at. It's just like these random-ass towns, like because literally it's like, oh my god, how would a family that lived here end up in Sacramento? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, I was like, Sacramento represent... Oh, wait, never mind.
0: So yeah, <laughs> it, a you know, I mean, you know, people who live in the Bay Area, just like we will... just like we'll tease uh, LA people we'd also tease people in Sacramento by saying no one wants to live there
1: (laughs) I mean fair fair and true remember that (laughs) maybe I would want a
0: demon to to, to murder me if I lived in Sacramento
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh no all two listeners we have in Sacramento are gonna hate us (laughs) oh my god so so after kind of getting this new bit of information, Allison realizes that by moving from the previous murder house, he has now created the new murder house. <laughs> so um, it's at this point that he starts, um, oh it, yeah, this at this point where the extended uh, endings come through and you see that the missing children were the ones that actually committed each murder. And that they were under uh, Bagul's control. And it's like at this point, he starts kind of getting lightheaded and woozy. And the world gets all swishy. And he finds like this weird green goo at the bottom of his coffee cup. And then he he finds this daughter. or, or Or this note from his daughter that says, goodnight, daddy. And then he just immediately loses consciousness. And when he wakes up. Uh, he finds him his wife tracy and his son trevor which i just realized we never gave their names because they're not. We, we've literally
0: just been calling them the daughter the son the wife I mean, but you know this movie has it does focus really on on a small number of characters and despite the fact that yes i think tracy does have tracy is 100 percent like in the right when she discovers what happens and gets angry at ellison like she is well within her right to want to demand divorce like for the for what he has put their family through but realistically they're just not like they they're not really people that we get to see live unless they're interacting with our main character
1: essentially yeah and like the only time we ever see trevor is whenever he's there to scare the shit out of you with his night terrors Tracy's just there to yell about how Allison's job is like traumatizing their kids. Well,
0: which which funny enough, like I do think it's like Tr- Trevor feels like both the brother and poltergeist, and then like the older like the coma brother in Insidious. There's just always like this one sibling that like yes is part of the family, but is mm-hmm. like ignored for like the younger sibling that's supposed to be the main one experiencing the paranormal activity
1: it reminds me of the simpsons of the cute lamb oh and the (laughs) cuter lamb oh and then when the cute lamb tries to come back get out of here oh man so after so after everyone kind of comes to um they they're they find themselves bound and gagged on the floor ashley at this point, completely under the influence of Bagul. Um, after she was kind of, after she made friends with one of the other, uh, the spirits of one of the other girls named Steve, uh, Stephanie Stevenson, uh, she's been, she's under Bagul's full control at this point. Uh, she ends up approaching family while recording on the 8 millimeter camera and proceeds to, or she tells Allison that uh, she's going to make him famous again and then proceeds to murder the shit out of her family with an axe, all Lizzie Borden style, which this movie thankfully has the wherewithal not to show like a six-year-old <laughs> with an axe and, you know, axe murder her family. Um, but it's like, it's still jarring. Like it's still, it's still some pretty disturbing stuff. Um, not to mention the fact that those 8 millimeter cameras are sons of bitches to operate, the fact that she's able to do that with an axe in one hand and still operate a camera you know, more power to her <laughs> but after that we kind of um, she ends up using their blood to paint pictures on the walls on the hallway um, along with a lot of bagul symbols on the doors and uh, she ends up seeing the family or she ends up watching the film of the, of the, of her family murders, drawing the murders out. (laughs) And then, um, and then kind of like being approached by the missing children. Mm -hmm. Uh, They end up disappearing when Bagul shows up, he ends up stepping back into the real world. uh, And he picks up Ashley and teleports back into the films um, and then we get a final shot of the box of uh, 8mm films with a new one being added to the collection um, called House Painting 2012. And then roll credits, and that's the end of Sinister. Yeah, funny enough, it's
0: it's not really a dense movie to get into in terms of the plot. Like I think we just went over it pretty quickly. It's, it's a pretty simple movie, and it has some really effective scares in it. Mm -hmm. I think the mistake that we've made here is that we watched the movie and then time went by and then like, yeah, we came back to it again. But I think because the movie has sat with me for so long before we got to recording this podcast, I'm not as gung ho about it as I was when I first watched it. And the more that I've thought about it and the more that you and I have talked about it, I Mm -hmm. realize it's painfully mid (laughs) and not really as good or terrifying as i thought so i don't really think it's a bad movie but if we're getting to the part of the episode where we're you know giving our final thoughts and 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 saying do we like this movie my answer is a just eh, kind of you know it's good it's it's good enough that i'm willing to watch this director's next work And we did talk about the black phone. And honestly, I found the black phone to be infinitely more interesting than this.
1: Yeah. I found myself agreeing with that. Because it's not even that this movie is like... Like you said, this movie isn't bad. It's actually very well done. It's
0: standard 2010s, mid-2010s horror fare.
1: I mean, it's cool that it doesn't rely on jump scares to a certain extent. And it does a really good job of setting tone. And it goes for eeriness over, like, just horror images, especially in a time where, you know, we're recovering at this point, 2012. We're kind of recovering from the fucking uh, horror, gore, um, gore porn that was, like, the mid to late aughts. It's
0: It's a transition period because we're still a couple of years away from it follows the witch, the Babadook Mm -hmm. and like those movies now becoming the next wave of horror. And yeah, it just, this movie just feels like an in-between, you know? And, and I think something like the black phone, it, it had a lot more, like it was way more interesting. It had a much more interesting concept. And I think the fact that it focused on like a kid character or it just made the world that the movie took place in a little bigger, it's just a movie that's well more worth going back to. So this movie is good. It's it's average. Um, sure, if you want to watch it, you can watch it. Do I feel like you're missing anything if you don't watch it? Not really. But uh, watching it definitely makes you think that this director is capable of much better later. And we do find out that he will do something better. Unfortunately, the one thing we won't ever see uh, him do is step into the director's chair for Doctor Strange. <laughs> but, you know. Why are
1: you championing this so much? No, You're I'm like just... the only one that wants him to, to direct another Doctor Strange. I movie. don't think
0: I'm the only one because there... the reaction to Doctor Strange, I know you loved it and I know you think it's fantastic, but not everyone is as overwhelmingly positive on it as you are.
1: Well, everyone else and shut up and be wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm not telling, and I'm not saying that I think it sucked. I didn't. I talked about how I thought it was good. I'm just telling you, that it's i'm curious to see what else he would do with another dr strange movie because i mean well i guess he made the first one right and the first one like was a lot worse than the second one was so so maybe (laughs) eh, maybe we've saved ourselves from this maybe maybe the lesson here is that scott derrickson is better as a horror director
1: (laughs) maybe Maybe the real lesson is it's about the friends we killed along the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe the real Doctor Strange 2 are the friends we made along the way. <sighs>
1: oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad movie. Check it out. If you really want, you're not really missing anything. I feel like Insidious has like a more memorable, even villain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this turned into us talking about other stuff that we'd probably find more interesting. <laughs>
1: We should make this episode things that are more interesting than sinister. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I keep confusing Sinister with Insidious, and then I watch Insidious, and then they have freaking well, one, the fact that they have uh, Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne, great call. Two, they also have the Tiny Tim uh, through a uh, tiptoe through the tulip song, and it's mm-hmm. terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, it it just it has a lot more plain
0: iconography.
1: Yeah, and
0: there's no iconography here. No, like, this th- is like like nobody will ever think of Bagool at any point ever again.
1: Like the fact that Bagool also relies on an eight millimeter, like it's a dead media. Bagool. <laughs> <Well>, also,
0: <laughs> I like you're getting angry at the demon, but the fact also that it's called Mr. Boogie, Mr. Boogie is just way too generic. And Mr. it feels Boogie. like something out of 50 other movies.
1: Mr. Boogie sounds like someone that sells you cocaine in 1979. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm cool. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, I like it enough. <laughs> All this to say, I like it. I Like, I'm ragging on the movie, but I don't hate it. Like, it's a, <laughs> it's a very strange place I find myself in.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, you know, I guess this is the perfect confused uh, note to end this episode on. We'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. I'd like to thank you guys for uh, hanging in there with us. as you know We tried to work through some of these scheduling conflicts. And uh, yeah, here we are approaching almost the end of another summer. And I think it's probably only right for us to go back to movie theater soon. And uh, next week, should we be talking about Nope?
1: I have to watch it. I know you've seen it. Yes. So I'll try to watch it so we can do note but we might as well put it out in the universe
0: i think so i think it's i mean in terms of just new movies this summer beyond besides that and uh you know thor love and thunder which i think we're probably better off waiting until it comes out on disney plus so we can all get a nice refresher before doing it again um yeah yeah i think i think it's been it's been a reasonably good uh new movie summer and uh yeah i i think we're i'm better served by coming back to do nope next week uh the new movie by jordan peele especially since we've done both the previous jordan peele movies in the very early days of the podcast we did an episode on us and uh also i think about a year ago um or a little less than a year ago we did a review of get out so uh if you want to go back and watch do you want to go back and listen to our reviews of those movies while you wait uh for the new jordan peele project uh, you can go ahead and do that. And, um, again, we thank you guys for, for, you know, continuing to interact with us on social media. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts If you can, please rate the show on Spotify. If you can, uh, all of these things are going to contribute to us, uh, growing our listener base and we will do the best we can to make sure that we are staying on a regular schedule whenever possible.
1: But and I'd remembered- like to thank you. I was about to say, remember to come back next week to listen. Nope, where we will have guest co host Daniel L- L- Kui- Akuya. That's right. I'm going to get him. No, I mean, guest host is subject to change. Just to- <laughs> in case <laughs> you, I can't get him. Did you mean Daniel Kaluuya? Shut up. <laughs> Shut the <laughs> fuck up it's late i'm tired i don't remember mr kaluuya's name that's my fault <laughs> all
0: I'm, right
1: don't embarrass me in front of the listeners you dick <laughs> all right
0: your deliriousness is enough to say that this is this is where the podcast should end for the week and this we is where it ends
1: forever for- shut up this is where i killed do we love movies? <laughs>
0: so uh yeah we'll be back talking nope next time and we'll talk to you guys next time
1: later y'all